then welcome to let's talk about gay stuff Woohoo! the podcast where we talk about gay stuff and discuss the week in lgbt plus history we are thomas tony kendall and this week we're reviewing the week of january 5th through january the 11th and we'll discuss carl bear jack baker and paul lynn this is all <laughs> and also episode. the guy who pushes the button to start did not give us any warning so here we are without any panties on. Oh my on. god, I'm like shell no shocked. Who's going first? What are we going to talk we've been about? Trying, we've been talking about this for 35 minutes, but you know we what? We have We're, our podcast face on. We oh ran god. into a bit Makeup, of Makeup, hair, it's all like... Well, you guys have a, a face for radio. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we uh, we uh, had a bit of a delayed start, despite Kendall saying we needed to start promptly at 7.30. It's now 9.15. Uh, we have to blame Carter, though, because Carter decided to shit... Wait a minute. ...all over the bed. But I, You're going to get some of our listeners I mentioned I mentioned this because uh, Tony, who's always like sticking up for tar- Carter, which he was about to do. You know, I put Carter in the restroom because he's all wet. Tony turned the light off on Carter in the bathroom, and Carter was just going to walk around in the dark all by himself. So this is just a sham, Tony. I thought here you Are were. Are we supposed to leave the light on? Boy, do you want him in the dark room all by himself? Oh, I don't know. I thought he, maybe he was sleeping. I didn't know. He was, was walking. Not he was walking around. You. It was as not much conscious. as you say you love Carter. I love Carter. You actually hate him. Carter is the guy Thomas keeps tied up. Carter in his is the Tony dog. just left Carter in the bathroom in the dark all by himself. I will not leave the light. I, I'm sorry, I didn't know. <laughs> I'm just teasing. <laughs> I could have saved that for before the podcast, but I figured you know we'd call you out right on Poor display Carter. for everybody. Carter's the dog. The podcast. The let's talk about gay stuff. Dog. No, that's Morky. Morky's the one who comes in all the photos. So there are two children of the podcast, Carter and Morky, and Morky's like, it's all the glam. Nobody likes Carter. Carter actually hasn't made an appearance, I don't think. Kennedy has showed up once, uh, See? and then Carter has not made an appearance in any of the photos there that we post on our I will say Instagram, Twitter, Facebook ben, account. Uh, Kennedy's Wait, what fiance is, this, is also um, love with Carter. phone sex operator voice you're doing right now? I don't know. How do you, what do you guys think? It's, I'm, no, trying there's something a job I'm, I'm trying something out for 2020. Can you all hear him talk about dog shitting? My friend's, uh, hey, dog shitting. My friend's friend used to do that. Do- talk about dog shit? No, no she used to be the phone sex, sex operator. So some oh. guy called like... She's like, what do you want to? What, what do you want me to do? What's your fantasy? He's like, I want to hear you pee. <laughs> and she's like, okay. She goes, let me get. Uh, she goes, I need a few minutes. I need a few minutes because you know she has to extend it, right? Right. And so then she just gets a water bottle and she's like squirting it. And he's like, she's like, oh, what is it? She's like, how do you like that? He's like, oh, I love it. <laughs> get off by peeing, huh? Well, gays use a water bottle to squirt up and their butt when they're um, bottoms on the go. On the go. Have you heard of that? Bottoms on the go. Bottoms on the go. Do they sell enemas on the go? A water bottle filled with gutter water. Gutter water? Not even like It's a homeless man's best friend. Oh, my God. Gutter water. Is that what they call it? Gutter water? Gutter water. I can't start my day without gargling some gutter water. (laughs) (laughs) We just lost all of our listeners. Everyone's like, come back, Dusty. No wonder we can't get any listeners in, like, South Dakota. God. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Because they're in those Blackland foothills together. I I can say this because it's on Twitter, so therefore it's public, right? I mean, but, uh, you know, we had one of uh, uh, Chris from Our Spoopy Podcast was posting something on twitter uh this past or recently a couple weeks ago uh, about us about, uh no about himself it's like oh i'm all by myself of course and 
he then tweeted something. He's like, oh, I thought I was a catch, but then I realized I'm not. And then I tweeted, well, let's talk about gay stuff. Tweeted at him saying, I knew you were all you were always a bot or a catcher. And then he was like, tweeted something Did back. Did he take some, offense? You know, a little bit like, uh, you know, one of those pearl clutching. Uh, but then you know, good, good old Dusty was like, you know, I'm proud of my position. And so I was like, good for Thank you. Thank you, Dusty. Just because you were trouser trout doesn't mean you fresh catch of the day. <laughs> it's like, good for you. So, I don't know what he's saying. Dusty's Anyways. one of our most devoted listeners. Oh, not we Dusty. I meant Chris. Chris. I'm just telling people who Dusty is. Crisp. Crisp. You can follow Dusty. At, Panties uh, is Dusty crisp. is awesome on Twitter. Uh, I know. Anyways, what else happened this week? Uh, we're in the new year. Right? Hey, it's 2020. What do you guys think about that? Well, apparently all these rural Ready guys Ready and rare to go. Rural rats? Yes. Wait, wait. Tell now, us. So I read this article. Well, I just kind of skimmed it um, about... Like, in a lot of rural places, there's a lot of, like, man-on-man sex, but, of course, they're married with kids, and they're not gay. That's Brokeback Mountain. Totally not gay man sex? Yeah. Well, they're they're not gay. They're not, like, questioning. They're just, they just like to have sex with men once in a while. That's people in prison, bro, too. It's bro sex, bro sex. Okay, but you read an article about that, and you thought that was new? Well, yes, of course. I mean, if you don't read it in an article, of course it can't be old news. <laughs> no, I like how these <laughs> these sites are like make an article like the newest thing to do is have sex with a man in the woods and go back home to your wife. Like that's been since Jesus was doing that. Well, I think the <laughs> that's what Christmas is about. I, I think the news is now it's acceptable, right? I mean, before mm. it was like you. No, were, they're acting like it's them. something new. Like we have to add that letter to that gay alphabet. What would that letter be? Where we run out. Now we're in Roman numerals. Oh, yeah. that's fun. We're in Greek. And Kendall hates all of them except for. Speaking of Roman numerals, I'm on the countdown. None of, his, you know, it's the none of you guys okay. care about the... Uh, what's that? Spencer's... The huh? The intern is no. yelling, trying to get us, feeding us script lines. We will not have it. I don't know what that is. Anyway, so Speaking the article... Oh, go ahead. I think... Just because the article was written doesn't mean it wasn't always happening. So my one of my best friends from high school was visiting this weekend, and we were saying, "Does uh, you know that man with uh with the hair lips still doing that?" We were talking about all these guys in high school that were like doing so and so teacher and doing the other football player and all that kind of stuff, and they're all married with kids now, and I don't necessarily think they're gay. I just think you know. You get got it, a get it where you big can old fit it. rod in your pants in high school, 15. What are you going to do with it? Get it where you I can think fit people it. experiment. I think it's for a lot of men, it's like, well, this ain't going to suck itself. <laughs> well, actually, like, I you know what I mean? I don't, think it does, I don't think it means you're gay necessarily if well, you I sleep with another man. In high school, um, a group of guys, they were once talking, they said, okay, if you went to prison for a long time, would you be able to hold out or would you just like. Well, let's succumb? ask. T- Thomas, when you went to prison, <laughs> I couldn't hold out. Oh, now they just got awkward. Too real. <laughs> we were together for the same time. No, I didn't go to prison. <laughs> okay, but anyway, I think if you have sex with a man, it doesn't necessarily mean you're gay. Well, that's what I thought until I was gay. <laughs> <laughs> 
you did it enough and it was well, no I tell longer you, it's just a, it's a progression because it's like well at first you know someone uh sucks you off and you're like well uh, yeah i wasn't the one sucking and the, or they first it's a handy right well i wasn't the one i would not touch it oh yeah and then it's they suck you off and then you touch the hand and you're like but i'm still not and then one day you suck them off and you're like but i'm not it was only once and then you do it a couple more times and then um you've fuck someone oh my gosh my mom's listening and then uh and then you're like she's done well, the same thing well, that's how like, you're born but that's how <laughs> right thank you thanks mom and dad by the way I'll, a side note my thanks dad tells us, life. calls me every new year's eve to tell me you know what was happening this new year's eve i was born on october 1st um, oh your mother was coming on to me and she made me have sex with her i was like all right mom and dad thanks for that but that's it what he started in here 11.59, and then he was conceived at yes. midnight. <laughs> he tells me Happy New Year, and then he tells me the story. 11.59.30. Um, and then, yeah, and then you you have sex, and then one day you get penetrated, and then you're, but you only did it once, so you're not gay, and then all of a sudden you're just a big old homo. So, you know, that's the life. You know, so these guys are just transitioning. I want to see this yeah, and I have 10 years. many a friend from high school that was like, I'm a lesbian, blah, blah, blah. And, but, and I remember having discussions with them, and they were like, I don't really like when they put their fingers inside me. I feel like women now they're married with children, and I'm like, were you? Um, I feel like you think you're ever gay. They're I feel like no. women go in reverse. Like they start off gay, and then they like, <laughs> then they're straight, and yeah. or some of them like they're straight, and then they have they're married with kids. They're like, fuck this, and then they become lesbian. Well, my takeaway from the article is that the article is trying to tell us, you know, something. Like, but sex is anything new or whatever. Sexuality doesn't have, you don't have to put a name to it immediately. I think there's what your body likes sometimes. Like, maybe a woman could jerk me off. And does that mean I'm, (laughs) people are repulsed and leaving the room right now. My mother. Um, Yolanda is turning her the radio off. Yeah, her so AM radio. That we're say, on. Mom, turn turn off at this point. Uh, but I I think there's sexuality in the terms of like what could be done to you that might feel good versus like what's in your head in terms of whom I want to be with for the rest of my life and who I want to. Oh, we get it. You're engaged. Time with, blah, blah, blah. Nice Wait, so you which went from now brings to me up to the point that I'm engaged. Wedding gifts can be sent to. Let's talk about gays. <laughs> Gmail.com. Can Hello. I tell you guys about it? This weird dream I had recently. Um, and I think it's because of, if you don't say it in your phone sex voice, because I think it's because of these these topics that we discuss, which are always very good. But I have a, uh, I think a high stick rate, and what I mean by that is like I can Ew, watch something <clears throat> going no, sticky. I can watch something like when I right before I go to bed, and I'm going to dream about it. So the worst, and I binge watch shows like Game of Thrones and House of uh, No, oh, The Handmaid's Tale. So those really screw my dreams so up. What were you watching? Walking, I don't know. I think it may be the topics because we have, I haven't watched anything about trans people. But I had this dream that I, my I had a like a surgery like a a vagina and like I have this image where all these Q-tips were in there and part of the healing process and then I had sex as a woman with the vagina it was an well, odd dream you've already went from straight to yeah. gay so I mean it's the yeah. logical next step so you have yeah. no hymen but but uh, yeah. well yeah I went through the whole progression but then like I like to this day like this dream was uh, Really recently, but wait, like, were you having sex with a man or a woman? It was with a man. Woman. I was being penetrated, which was just <laughs> an odd experience. And this vagina that I had that was like full of Q-tips just sticking so I was like, out. I know a cute lesbian. If you Ooh. 
so I'm having this dream, but like to this day as I'm talking about it, like my groin area sorry. is just When like, was that? Just a week or two ago? I'm sorry yeah, fairly to all recently. Of our But it's like I have this dream. Like, the the image pops up and then like I, I feel like, home, I don't know what it is. It's like I feel like there's scratches in the air. Like it's just, oh it's just this weird all feeling right. that Wait, I have. How long were you dreaming this before it? You woke I, up. It was a good, like, like, I remember waking, like, being like, oh my gosh, I have this, like, uh, new, I guess not appendage, but I don't have, like, but I had. Was the, it that the, real that you had to wake up and check? Yeah, when no, you woke I, up? I, yeah, I got woke oh up. Oh my God, like, that's a really serious But, but yeah. to this to this day, like, I, as I'm telling you the story, like, my groin area is like, oh, like, it, it just. And I think it was, I mean, I've been in around with a vagina. I like vagina. This is not a bad thing for me. But it's this image because it was healing. I had all these Q-tips, mm. just like like ten Q-tips. Wow. Just think of them like a porcupine. Right. Just you like, need to get one of those dream books. That's like, good. Well, I we should talk up. about that next week. I woke up. I woke up like at four in the morning and I started googling like, what does it mean? Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> it was. I, I think. Yeah. Vagina. Yeah, I think it was all right, just. Let's the, keep this ball rolling because um, I think. Uh, well, I think if PBS I could, sponsors. If I could, I think it was just about like because we. I mean, daily. You know, we. I'm posting about, you know, our accounts posting about LGBT stuff, a lot of trans people. We've talked a lot about trans people. <laughs> I'm talking about another trans person today. So I think all of that, just like you said, it's a high stick rate. And so all these oh, stories have been so with insulting me. to the trans community. <clears throat> no, I, I don't mean that as a bad thing. It was just like a weird yeah. experience for me. So that's crazy. Maybe and this trans, has been all things trans. considered on NPR. <laughs> Did you want me to see if I would have said it in my sex voice? It would have been a lot better. I know. Anyways, so the other day I was dreaming. Q-tips <laughs> in your vagina are not sexy. Like, uh, in your yeah, it was like a raw like wound. Okay, so what Q-tips. I'm like going to talk raw. about? Kendall, you're up first. <laughs> Paul Lind. Have y'all heard about Paul Lind? Speaking no, of Q-tips in the vagina, Paul Lind, everybody, center square. Him, have you really not heard of Paul Lind? No. Thomas, what? you've heard yeah, of Paul he's Lind. The center square. What do you know about Paul Lind? He, he's the center square at Hollywood Square. <laughs> Well, you know, I didn't know what that was because I didn't have a TV. But. He didn't watch Hollywood, the Hollywood Squares either. Yeah, but you're still stuck in the 80s. I figured that you would know that. No. He didn't have a TV no. in the 80s. <laughs> Paul Lynn was um, born June 13th, 1926, and died January 11th, 1982. So he died this week in 1982. He was an actor, comedian, and game show panelist on the Hollywood Squares, which is really what he was <coughs> most known for. He was also known as being Uncle Arthur. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? Every time, no matter what, he was always Paul Lind, no matter what show he was on with that same voice, like he was just <coughs> over it, on Bewitched. Oh, okay, okay. Who are you? I'm Uncle Arthur, don't you know me? Does that sound familiar at all? Yes, yeah, yeah. That's very, Really? I don't believe it. So he was born in Mount Vernon, Ohio, fifth of six children and third of four boys. He grew up to be a very, um, well, not grew up to be, he was very insecure, like, right from the bat. I think of his place within his own family and the fact that he was gay. He felt overshadowed by especially all the other brothers. I know who he is, yeah. He uh, described his family pretty much only as the boys, Richard the Athlete, Cordy the brain, Johnny the baby, and Paul the nothing. Aww. Even the people that knew him with his own family loved him and thought he was hilarious. He never really thought of himself as anything. Even though he grew up to be very hilarious to other people and charismatic person, 
he never had any confidence at all. And I think part of that was the fact that he grew up in the closet. And pretty what, much what did he die of? What? We're not there yet. But I mean natural causes or... Oh, we will get there. Okay. Because if I tell them now, the people are just going to turn off okay. and walk into their home. Because th- this intro made me think of Robin Williams. As far as like, I mean, he was so talented, but he had no value for himself. Well, in part of the research, I watched um, the A&E biography from who knows when, the 90s. I mean, he died in 82, so even if it was in the 90s, it would have been, they knew a lot about him. But Cloris Leachman was on it because she went to college with him. Charlotte Ray went to college with him. They had so many of his friends that were like, he was the most charismatic. He's just one of those people that have it. Like, people want to be around them. People are drawn to him. Actually, my dad is like that. Thomas, you know my dad. Yes. My dad can be in the room, and everyone we're all like moths to him. He he holds the energy in the palm of his hand, and he doesn't realize it. So if he goes to bed, it's all like we all start like, well, I mean, I guess it was a good night. It reminded the discussion. Might maybe my dad is Paul Lind. <laughs> Uncle Art there. <laughs> um, but the way his friends describe him is very much that, which is sad to me because Maybe your dad he's never, ever liked himself. So his dad was sheriff for four years, like county sheriff elected. But for most of his life, he was the local butcher. And humor played a big part in the family to where if you walked into Paul Lynn's dad's butcher shop and order the rump roast, he would have his assistant, <coughs> Shorty, get up on the counter and lay flat, and Paul Lynn's dad would start sawing off Shorty's rump. rump. Yeah. <laughs> like, if, here's the rump roast joke Ooh. again. Ooh. And Paul Lind was very embarrassed by the fact that his dad was a butcher. He enjoyed working on the weekends there because he liked messing and playing with the, um, kind of joking around with the clientele. But he was embarrassed that his dad was a butcher, so he, t- he told people his dad was a cattle surgeon. Oh my god. Which is kind of a joke to make his sound dad. Yeah. His dad sound like he was more important than he actually was. But at 10 his appendix ruptured and he was bedridden for a year to, due to like infections and complications. Did they have to put Q-tips And his in mom, who's kind of a mama's boy, gay. <laughs> so his mom doted on him and just fed him. He was in bed for a damn year and he gained over 100 pounds. Oh, really? Which really added to his... Like, low self-esteem? Yeah, his low self-esteem. To when he started in high school, he was 260 pounds. Oh, wow. He's a skinny man, of what I remember of him. Mm -hmm. Like, so 260 pounds. Yeah. That's a... But they say, they say, and I'm not there yet, that if you're big in high school or in school, that you never... You're always going to be the fat kid in your mind. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. Um, who's someone who's very, very skinny. <laughs> You're like, I don't understand. <laughs> Just I've kidding. always been so svelte. Uh, and in researching him, it was very much like so much of how we interacted with people as it, it was as a former fat kid. Like he joined the band and the instrument he picked was the bass drum because it could cover the know. fact that no uniforms would fit him and they weren't completely buttoned up so he could have a big drum in front of him. But he always wanted to be famous. He didn't care how it was. Um, he just knew he wanted to be recognized, rich, and famous. Same. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're still trying to get there, boo. 
punch Shut him. up. He's like well on his way. <laughs> Look at me. Um, so in high school, he started doing theater. And people loved him, thought he was hilarious. He had this girlfriend. And the, the people interviewed from his high school days were like, she really didn't think much of it. And she wasn't really into him. But he was really into her. Margaret, what's her face? And he always acted like Margaret was the one that got away, which was a very, to me, was very convenient for him. That's always a scapegoat. Mm. Tony, did you have a Margaret in high school? But you got that girl pregnant. <coughs> Almost. That was at college. <laughs> Almost pregnant. That was like my mom that, no, that was she a was little, my, my grandma like would say, Kathy was walking through the woods and she said, I almost saw a snake. <laughs> you almost see a That's snake. a southern thing. <laughs> but Tony's the one that almost got a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you have to read episode yada yada. I still have PTSD about it, so no, no. <laughs> you brought it out. We had a full on therapy session. I know. This podcast. Let's talk about oh, gay wow. stuff. Therapy session for three queer like, boys. <laughs> That's like my Q tip vagina. Ew, stop. Um, you love it. So he graduated high school, is a great big fat kid, and went and he lost like 100 pounds right before, and this is in 1944. Right after high school? Yeah, right around high school and leading into his, so- his freshman year. How did he lose the weight? I'm looking for diet I don't know, tips. he can't find it. <laughs> but I'm bummed. He doesn't know where he lost it or out. I don't, I don't think he wants to find it. But he, so his humor was very sarcastic. It was that stereotypical that like still, yours. to this day, I hate when people call me sarcastic. I'm just I kidding. Don't. No, but it's, I guess it's true because I hear it every day. I mean, <laughs> I'm just kidding. People yell from the street. Well, I don't find day. you humorous or <laughs> sarcastic. Thank you. <laughs> and I don't find you at all. Uh, so in 1944, he started college. He's slimming down. Um... And there's this woman. So the woman they interviewed, who was such good friends with him that adored him, said on campus she was in the speech department and she knew of, well, not at the time. Okay, so a guy came up to her and said, is your name Paul Land? This is a woman. (laughs) And she said, no, my name is Jan. She sounded like him. They said, you look just like this guy in the speech department named Paul Land. And she said a week later, this guy came up to her and said, so you're the one. Oh, my God. And she said, I knew that had to be Paul Lynn because we both had a lot of teeth and sad green eyes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, as you did that voice, it reminded me. He was a, a cartoon character, wasn't he? Yeah, he did a lot of voice acting later in his life. He did a lot. Actually, there's a documentary. I forget what it's called. That's good research for the podcast. No, because I, I couldn't find okay, it. I tried to find kidding. it, but you had to pay for it. And ain't doing that research because we, no, we still we need more sponsors. Kind of budget. Uh, but he did a lot of cartoon villain later in his life, cartoon villain voiceovers. And there's a documentary even about how, especially in the 40s, 50s, 60s, how the gay voice was used as a cartoon villain. Because it would seem, you know, there's documentaries about Disney characters that have been perceived as gay, too. Y'all are both on your phones, and I'm calling you out. We're listening. Wasn't he the one in the, the show with him and the, they were all drunk? Wait, the intern is talking without a mic. 
What? They were all driving cars. They were in a race. The, the Flintstones? Race. No, I know what you're talking about, but I didn't do that much research. Thank you. <laughs> so he's... Anyway, I've gotten really off track. We'll get back to that later. So he's in college. He's not the woman named Jan that someone thought he was, but becomes friends with her, and they become friends until the day he dies. Oh. That has nothing to do with anything else. How did he die again? No, I'm kidding. No, we're not. <laughs> y'all cannot wait for me to wrap up my talk topic. Shut up. But in college, he never had a girlfriend, but he would always talk about the girlfriend back home. And this is when people in college like were really like... Like as the girlfriend that used to be, or the girlfriend I still have back home. Oh, <laughs> he would just... No one even remember his name. They interviewed people in this documentary I saw, and they were like, nobody, he, nobody knew her name. Nobody ever met her. That's when we knew he was gay. Oh, when you <laughs> talked about the girl back home? Yeah, the girl back home that everybody, nobody ever met. What which, was your girl back thank home? Thank you. I knew you'd bring it up, so I'm already prepared. <laughs> when I was in eighth grade. Are you talking about Suzanne Plachette? You've told this story before, oh but it's always, it's always a goodie. Thomas loves you me You always to bring this tell up this story. The you have Alzheimer's. <laughs> In eighth grade, somebody's like, you don't even have a girlfriend. And I knew they were hinting that I'm gay. I was like, yes, I do. And they said, well, what's her name? And <laughs> I came up, the reason I came up with the name is because I thought of the most recent best friend I had. Because we had just moved, and my best friend was from St. Louis. Suzanne! Suzanne who? And I, at the time, I didn't know why I said it. But I said, <laughs> Suzanne Plachette. <laughs> and I was like, how the fuck did I come up with Plachette? <laughs> And then I was watching Nick at Night that weekend, and Suzanne Plachette was on the Bob Newhart show. Oh, my God. So I had picked an actress from the Bob Newhart show, and they were all like, oh, okay. That sounds like a Southern name. <laughs> like, they believed me. <laughs> what, high, what high school did she go to? Yeah. Well, no, I volunteered. She goes to whatever, rival junior high. <laughs> She's from Shreveport. It was very sad. Shreveport. So I can She's from Lake Charles. Right. Ew. Bonky. So I can identify with... to the casino. <laughs> I can identify with Paul Lynn making up a girlfriend that lives back home. But his friend said he, had, he always had this armor around him. And even though at that time he wasn't out, they knew he was gay. He was also friends with a lot of gay people that would later come out as gay too. But even... Friends that knew him until the day he died said he had this kind of armor around him, this arm's length. That's kind of interesting that he was friends with gay people. Because sometimes if you're gay and you're, like, paranoid about being outed, you, like, don't hang around with gay people. He was so above it all is the sense I got that he really didn't care. There are some people, because this guy reminds me of somebody I went to college with, that is so self-absorbed and so detached from anyone else that you aren't even on his radar, Thomas, why are you laughing? But no, I'm not. I'm just thinking about who you may be thinking about. Mouth it to me. He's late. Yeah. Uh-huh. But they might be a listener. But we love them. We hope them best on you, their journey. You probably met him, Tony, so I'll have to tell you another time. Um He might be single though. So. But there are some people that I think just want need that insatiable need for recognition. Of like this bottomless pit, not like you, but in a way that's like needs <laughs> that needs that's Tony's, recognition. That's Tony's grinder profile name. Yeah. Bottomless. That's pit. his rosebud. <laughs> bottomless rosebud. 
but so that's why I don't think he cares. And he was also in the theater department with, like I said, Charlotte Ray and Cloris Leachman and all these really famous people at Northwestern, which is where he went to college, that recognized him as this incredible talent that he didn't see in himself. He was never good enough to people. So he was this comedic talent that had this way. And the reason I have mimicked him the way I have Paul and because he can say it in a way there's a certain way about if one person says something the exact same line and someone who knows how to say it with timing and the right inflection and all yeah. that it it's completely now it's funny for the first time whether any you know nine other people can say it and it's not funny at all Paul Lind was that he had that kind of sense to it, it was like whatever he says is hilarious and I've I've known people like that that have And he has such a like distinctive voice. Like as soon as you like I looked him up, but then also like when you started saying that, I immediately yeah. knew, yeah. So he moved to New York after he graduated college and was a waiter, started drinking a little bit. A little bit. Which I think has to do with that kind of I'm not good enough mentality. Um but then he started getting parts on Broadway, starting getting parts on television, and he was in a Broadway show called Oh my god, <laughs> so much <pressure. laughs> New Faces of nineteen fifty two, where he had a monologue about going on a safari. And even in this monologue, so Paul Lynn's entire career was kind of this wink wink I may be playing parts where I have a wife and kids. But let's be honest, I'm a yeah. gay man. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. That was his entire career was built upon the fact that we all know this guy is gay. Oh, okay. We're pretend like he's not. Um, that's the reason why on Hollywood Squares he he did so well. But in this <laughs> New Faces of 1952, which is also made to a movie, and Eartha Kitt was on this, and Alice Ghostly, a lot of popular people at the time. He played this guy who went on a vacation on a safari. And he was dropped. And while he's doing his monologue, he's on crutches and full of bandages because he had just gotten back from the safari. And he'd gone with his wife, but his wife wasn't there because they were dropped in. And he lost his wife, but she was kind of slow. So he distracted. She distracted them from the savages. And he came back and found her purse and her dress and her high heels and he just thought it was hilarious in other words this is a very flamboyant man that does not care that his wife died on the safari you know and yeah. he's laughing about he's very like overly describing um all these feminine qualities about her almost like he cares more about it than she does but so she did and they make it into a movie but he was the breakout star of the broadway show so that's really when he gets his name and then they start. He starts becoming a guest, doing guest appearances on, because at the time, Hollywood was not necessarily the capital of show business. It started out in New York, and then it took a while to fully transition to Hollywood. So you could live in New York and be on a lot of these variety shows, game shows, mm-hmm. musicals, all that kind of stuff. So then he was in Bye Bye Birdie where he played like this exasperated dad who's just so fed up with it all, this very homosexual man, um, which was also made into a movie. 
So as more and more he does this, he's being known as the homosexual character who's not out of the closet, yet we're all kind of like wink, wink, nod, nod. And this is in the 40s and 50s. Yeah. So he played the father and by the way, they're really distracting me all. Please stick with this, <laughs> even though the disrespect is real. So he played the father in Bye Bye Birdie and the film adaptation. Um, the whole time, friends knew he was gay and he was starting to introduce guys to his friends without oh, okay. kind of being like, this is my boyfriend. But he always had, at this point, when he started having his career, he started introducing his friends to these guys. It's almost like, this is my friend so-and-so. And it was understood, even if he wasn't out, uh, that he was gay. And then in 1965, he was on Bewitched. It was supposed to be like this little part where he was Samantha's driving instructor. And he was so hilarious and so over the top and ridiculous that they made the role of Uncle Arthur, which is indoors. Did you ever watch Bewitched? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, we need to do... What did you think about it? I liked it. Thomas, did you watch Bewitched? Yeah, I loved it. I liked it. We need to do a Bewitched topic because Bewitched was... A gay sitcom. Eudora is that lesbian the mom? in real life. Is that the mom? No, that's yeah, that's Elizabeth Montgomery, who's Samantha's mom. Yeah. The whole show was just I love eat, her. eat up yeah. with the gays. Not she just was a insinuations. In Samantha's mom? Eudora, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. And she wasn't even in the closet. Okay. This is an older woman who had life partners. Elizabeth Montgomery, who played Samantha. Um, loved the gays and Uncle Arthur was on there. She created the part. Wait, are we trying her, to do this episode now? Or? No, no, no. All right. I'm talking about Paul. Paul and. But she loved him so much that she, with her husband, who was the producer of the show, created this position for Paul Lind as Uncle Arthur. And he was on 10 episodes, but it was this very like campy, over the top role that was like perfect for him because he was who Paul Lind was in real life. Yeah. Like this guy trying to impress people. I mean, he played a warlock, you know, like he was, yeah. Can't be gayer than that. Right. He would talk about, I'm just a clown to you all. And then he would, <laughs> he like, he would blink his eyes Disappear. and he would be a clown. Oh, okay. And he would be like sad, <laughs> uh, melting clown makeup on his face. It was hilarious. It was perfect for him. So by this time he was a household name. Paul and <laughs> and he was also drinking more than ever to where a lot of networks were asking him to do pilots and he did four pilots in one year one with NBC and three with ABC but ABC was finding out just how much of an alcoholic he was oh, okay. and also hearing more about his gay exploits that they said oh, <clears throat> we don't really want much to do with you wow really and I'd I don't think it's just the fact that he was gay because he was in the closet. Mm-hmm. Because you can kind of brush. I mean, Tab Hunter is another one we need to do about. We got a whole a topic year about. Um, we got fifty. You could be in the closet during year. the old studio system, and they would just make fake tabloids and make fake up fake girlfriends for you. <laughs> oh, okay, you know what yeah. I mean? I really think it had more so to do with the fact that he was an alcoholic, alcoholic yeah. that they could not control, because that old studio system and television channel sy- network system was the fact that we have to control you yeah 
if you want to get paid. Yeah. And it's contract, contract, contract. But at the time, he was considered a mean drug, and he used to black out all the time. I also feel like a deep connection with him. <laughs> <laughs> Compassionate. That'll be this episode for Ken. Well, if, you know what was sad is that he there was this actor, and I had never heard of him. <laughs> I didn't write it down either. But there's an actor that he idolized, and he knew someone that was throwing a, a party and said, you have to invite me. I idolize that guy. That's my idol. He's hilarious. I love him. Oh, Dick Van Dyke. Oh, okay. No, no, he's not the actor. He's the one that invi- was the telling the story. Invited <laughs> okay, him. Like, Dick Van Dyke invited him, and Dick Van Dyke said in the interview, Paul Lynn got that man in a corner and cut him to shreds. Like, just eviscerated his idol and just tore him to pieces because he was a big mean drunk. Did he think he was being funny? Like and a, the next day, no, I don't think he, like he, no, was, I don't he, even think he thought, him, period. Like a, I think he was going by on pure emotion. And the next day he said, I am mortified. I cannot believe I did that. I have to <coughs> I have to apologize. So Dick Van Dyke set him up to meet him again in another social him. situation, and he did the exact same thing. And when Dick Van Dyke is telling this story, it's hilarious to him. But it's also very telling. You know, like the guy had an alcohol problem that to where he had no control over himself at all. And also at the time when he's really becoming really popular. He's in a few sitcoms. This is guy this is one of those guys, I don't know who the equivalent would be now, but Paul Lynn back then was like on everything. He was guest starring, he had his own for a year, he had the Paul Lynn show. As soon as you said the did the voice, um, it brought back he was on a, a movie with uh Doris Day and Rock Hudson. I remember he like yeah he was he was so Rock Hudson was a hypochondriac and he thought he was dying and so he was the funeral or the cemetery salesman and he was like so over the top about oh my god let me show you this area let me show you that area like well and see all the people that loved him and said he's really really talented they all said but he was always Paul in and one person said it's like chocolate mousse like chocolate mousse is delicious but you're not going to have it three meals a day as your meals you know and that's part of the reason why his success was never really sustained it was like Mm. you're doing these one-off comedies or you're the you're the brief comic relief in a serious movie he was like joan rivers in terms of being out there yeah but joan rivers was more able to reinterpret herself like that woman i mean but she was always out there she could re brand herself to do that for another each episode. new generation you know she <clears throat> was a different joan rivers yeah paul lynn was like this is my shtick and where can i find people to accept yeah, my shtick yeah. versus like yeah. i'm going to adapt and so he just found a new new venue to be paul lynn well the venue that he was most successful at was in 1966 he was on hollywood squares did y'all ever watch hollywood squares i remember when i was oh, little yeah. So it's basically a giant game of tic-tac-toe where it's a, you're looking at a three-story, would it be three stories? Yeah, three yeah. stories, right? Not four yeah. stories. Three by three. Um, in a studio to where it's a bunch of celebrities and the person has to, there are two contestants and they call on a celebrity and they have to figure out if the celebrity is lying or not. And they're playing oh, right. for yeah, prizes yeah. and yeah. they're playing against each other. Paul Lynn started in 1966 and he became so funny and popular at it that within a year they made him the center square the center square is right in the middle to where if you play tic-tac-toe it's the most likely yeah, yeah, yeah. to be used 
So they put him in the most popular, most called upon position. Yeah. And he became known. The show really took off because of his zingers and his one-liners, which, as hilarious as Paul Lynn was, because he really ad-libbed a lot of his film career, and he was hilarious to everyone that knew him. But he was so insecure about, are people going to think I'm funny or not, to where on Hollywood Squares, which is what he's known for doing, everyone knows him from Hollywood Squares, he had writers, he had a team of writers that would write the lines for him. P.S. So we do the same thing for Kendall every, every episode. Oh my God. We please. write his script. Is that what you've been doing the previous six days? <laughs> it's a lot of work to make you funny. So in 1966, he started Hollywood Squares, and he was there until 1979, and then he left. He was gone for one year, and the ratings crashed, and he really? came back in 1981 before it got canceled, but canceled. But the ratings did um, they ever recover? Is that how he died? Is that what you're? No, but remember, Hollywood Squares came back, and Whoopi Goldberg <coughs> was the center, center square for a she long. She was time. not oh, funny okay. like Paul Lynn, though. But it was Paul like the new Hollywood Squares. But let me say this about Whoopi Goldberg. <coughs> I really admire people that do whatever, especially celebrities, do whatever the hell they want. Like, I don't think there's any more. She's an EGOT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she's she's won, like, every award, and she is on The View now. And not even by accident. She's like, this is interesting to me. She I'm going to do this now. She's not even EGOT like Oprah, who has an honor- honorary Academy Award. She's got the real deal. Yeah, but um, what did Selena have? <laughs> she's dead. Um, but anyways... On Paul Lynn, give us some one-liners. Do you have any one-liners from Paul? Because he do like, I? I have so many that you're going to oh. actually stop reading them. Let's, Perfect. This, this is <laughs> this is like the bandana culture. We're going to prepare for minutes. like 15 minutes in. Can you be like, uh, are there any one-liners? So his his zingers, they called them. They were all the reason they were hilarious is because they were like thinly veiled gay jokes, double entendres, like, double entendres. Like I'm. <clears throat> admitting to you basically that I'm gay but I'm not admitting and we're like wink 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 not not I'm a safe way to get into your household and where we can home. laugh and it was actually controversial because you're laughing at the gay yeah I mean that's what I was gonna say he's like kind of the he was the butt of the joke and I mean that was the thing with the gay he was the bottom of the joke yeah he was the bottom of the joke okay so the the premise of Hollywood Squares is that the host would say like a question and you you give the answer and if the answer is real or not the contestant would agree or they would say no i don't think that's right for those under the age of 30 think of this as a modification of the snatch game from rupaul's drag race snatch game so let me give you all example and let me let you all play okay you two you two gay people let's do it (sighs) okay so you have to think of something witty and you have to also make it allude to the fact that maybe this is the right answer so I am the host, and then when I give the answer, I'm going to. And try so you it. ideally want to give the right answer, but well, if you, you want to make it close enough to where they don't know, so they're having it's like a fifty-fifty guess. Like, I think that might be right, or I think that might be wrong. Go. Okay, all right. So I'll say it as a host, and then when I deliver it, it'll be as Paul Land. But I, hey, I'm not Paul Land, okay? So you I was never. Are. I was never fat. <laughs> <laughs> You're so like, I'll like, try to do it. My, you're like I'm like Paul Lind if he was always skinny. I'll do it my <laughs> best, formerly fat Paul Lind voice. Great at 35. <laughs> so, what could bring a tear to a monkey's eyes? Tony, what could bring a tear to a monkey's eyes? I have a, a really big banana. <laughs> 
what Spencer, he said. Spencer's answer. No, is Tony. Really big we can't banana. hear the intern. A really big banana. <laughs> okay, Thomas is the other contestant. A banana without any skin. <laughs> Paul Lynn would say. An oversized banana. Learning that Tarzan swings both ways. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Oh, y'all laughed more than I thought because that was from the 60s. Mm, racy. Oh, Do y'all God. remember when that was on? In the, 60s, in the 60s? I know of Tarzan. But okay, here's another one. And y'all don't have to participate because you're just going to slow it down. <laughs> we're, we're pretty if much someone offers to give you a French 75, what is it? It's a drink. Yeah, it's a drink. Okay, you say a drink. Paul Lynn would say, Wait a minute, that's 25 more than it was last time. Yeah. Get it? Because he was paying for sex. Okay, it used he to be to called Nine Pins. <laughs> what do we call it now? Bullying. Uh, one pin up the, I don't know. Foreplay. <laughs> nine Pins were sticking up with that vagina that I had in my nope. game. Someone's not Paul. Okay, when a man falls <laughs> overboard. I'm impressed with your voice, though. When a man falls overboard and into the water, you yell, man overboard. When a woman falls into the water, what do you yell? All aboard. I like this one. <laughs> and Paul Lynn voice, full speed ahead. <laughs> but see that gay, like, wink, wink. If a woman falls overboard, you full, <laughs> full speed, speed ahead. ahead. We don't want anything to do with that clam trap. <laughs> Shut up. What state? Okay, here's a real question for y'all. You, I will allow y'all to participate. What state was Abraham Lincoln born? Illinois. What? In what state was Abraham Lincoln born? Alive? What state? Well, like all of us, naked and screaming. <laughs> like I knew it wasn't the actual state. So would he say that and then say his real answer? Or would he just say... Yeah, he would say it and then people would laugh and, and then, then he, he would, would give the Illinois. real answer. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, but no, he doesn't really have a card. He, yes, he technically has a card with the answer that he... The audience isn't supposed to know that he has a team of writers writing for him. All they know is, that's crazy Paul Lynn. He's like the lovable gay guy, everyone's yeah. gay sidekick. He's like your mom's gay friend who thinks Wait, they're I going to hell. Gay friend. <laughs> you were all your mom's gay friend. <laughs> And they were not voting for our rights. I literally exist. am my mom's gay friend. Hi, mom. Hey, mom. Hey, Yolanda. How about this one? How many men on a hockey team? Not how half. about half? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Sometimes they are good. And sometimes it's like no boo. Are you going to go through all of them? Yeah, I'm going to go through a lot. Like well, the Hanky culture? Call in now if you want me to stop. How about? I think we have a caller. Oh, wait. <laughs> No, love, I'll speed through this love real them, quick. But they want, stop might talking. Want to see them God, we cut him off in the hanky culture. We cut <laughs> him off in the bullet. Payback. In the Wizard of Oz, the tin man wanted a heart, and the lion wanted courage. What did the straw man want? Nine inches. He wanted the tin man to notice him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, they're giving me the eyes like, speed it up. Okay. I'm not. I love these jokes. According to Glenn Campbell, love to me is something you what? purchase (laughs) 
Does Billy Graham find it appropriate to look at pictures of naked women? Of course he does. Well, damn it, who can afford the real thing? <laughs> All right. Tony's got to catch a flight in the morning. All right, I got no, I, I, some I, more. <laughs> Tony loves it. I love it. <laughs> okay, when the, when the host said, according to the world book, what's the main thing we get from Honduras? Jungle fever. And then Paul and said, you got it too? <laughs> <laughs> Studies show you'll live longer if you love one man or one woman at a time. He says, but it is okay to alternate. (laughs) Tony is dying. Tony is just giving me, he's giving me the hand gesture to just keep going and going. I think that's the the hand gesture to wrap it up. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, I was shutting Kendall off at like the hanky jokes. I'm like, okay, after like 20 hankies, we got the gist of it. And he's like, you just wait, bitch. (laughs) It's got oh my God. It's got I more. didn't notice when I'm I walked over the room page. tonight. I thought, "Wow, Kendall, this is like way more notes than you've ever had in your entire fucking existence on this podcast." And it's Wait, all like this, a song, this one friend. reminds me of you, Tony. What should you tell a fourteen-year-old boy, according to doctors, who has no interest in girls? Your slip is showing. <laughs> Why do bikers wear leather? Because Chanel wrinkles. <laughs> so Paul Lynn. All right, I have a few more. Two more. I two think, more. I think we're good. Okay, no. Wait, I have some really good ones. Two. Pick your two. According best. to a food editor, what is the best reason for pounding meat? <laughs> Lon- um. Loneliness. <laughs> <laughs> Are there exercises a woman can do to prevent her bosom from sagging? Yes, but it requires pierced ears and some kite string. <laughs> Wait, here's my favorite. What who I heard when I was little, Wait, and I was like, I think I'm gay now. It is my favorite joke, maybe of all time. It's the reason I chose Paul into this topic. How many balls are on a? Hold on. <laughs> Wait, hold on. That's the host. How many balls are on a pool table? Well, it depends on how many men are sitting on it. <laughs> That's how you knew Can you imagine day. in the 70s? Yeah, yeah. On, and like it's probably daytime. How many balls are on a yeah. pool table? It depends on how many men are sitting on it. And it's coming from a, like a flamboyant. And it's like daytime TV. It's not like. Yeah, and everyone laughs. Cinemax. The thing about it is everyone laughs and thinks it's hilarious. I look at it as like. His coping mechanism. Because he's on a thing full of celebrities. You know they weren't for him. Like, they were laughing at him. Oh, yeah. Basically. Not with him, but yeah. yeah. They weren't looking at him as an equal. They were laughing at him like he's a joke, and he's the court jester, and the court jester is never the king or the queen. The right. court jester is there to make us laugh. And he can stand with us on the same stage, but he's never our equal. That's what I took away from it, and I even remember thinking about it, because I watched it when it was... Um, reruns and syndication on I think it was the game it was show TNT. Network. I mean the game show network later but <clears throat> USA or TNT played all those 70s shows I remember thinking it was sad so he did that and he just he said I'm sick of being boxed in literally <laughs> yeah which is kind of like a pun but he said I need to I need to stop this he'd made more money than he thought he would ever make he was never happy never thought his career was ever good enough um, and he died. But also didn't want to do 
serious roles because that wasn't his personality. He was the, the ham. So he quit for a year. They offered him a whole bunch of money. He came back. The ratings went back up. Um, and then it was canceled. And then he was doing this kind of like candid camera secret video show. His driver came to pick him up, and he wouldn't answer the door. So the driver was like, oh, he must be drunk, even though he'd been sober, he'd been sober for about a year. Um, but he was still unhappy, even though he was sober. Finally, his friends realized he didn't show up to a party, so they go over there. They have to break in, and they find him dead in his bed at age 55 um, in 1982, January 11th. Was it, what was his cause? And he died of a heart attack. But at the time, there were all these rumors that persisted for years and years that it was a hustler was there, and there were poppers found on the bed and cocaine and all that because here's a guy that used to be have addiction issues and that we all know wink wink is gay so all these rumors persisted because of who paul then <coughs> was but it wasn't true but weren't there no signs of like <coughs> fourth century yeah there were no. well <coughs> see this is how rumors can take off take on a life of their own it just became one of those urban legends like i don't know if you ever heard about the one catherine the great from russia yeah, she was having sex with a horse, and it collapsed on her and killed oh, her. Oh, really? Kind of, which people believe to this day, which was not true. But anyway, Paul Lynn always set his alarm before he went to bed, and when they broke into his house, the alarm went off. So obviously there was no. Yeah, I mean to me that tells me there was no hustler that killed him and then yeah. slipped out of the house. Because back that. then alarms had to be less than twelve hours. Because oh, I don't know about al- all that. <laughs> No, they did the alarm This clock. is a true forensic <laughs> investigation you can save right that for here. Our spooky It is podcast. because if you went to bed at like 10 p.m. and set it for like, like it, you couldn't set it for a.m. and p.m. It's like just a. Anyways. Okay. So that's Paul Lent, huh? No. So <laughs> um, at the time when he died, so when they did the autopsy, it was a heart attack. It was a massive heart attack. He was 55, and the doctor said he had the heart of an 85-year-old because of all the alcoholism and the drugs, although alcohol was his addiction of choice for a long time. That's hard on your heart? What's that? It's hard on your heart. <laughs> alcohol, That's why you yeah. keep running, Tony. Oh, God. <laughs> That's why we run. <laughs> so, but after he died, the gays at the time... Not all of them, but a lot of them were like, this is, he was the stereotype of like a self-loathing, like sad, unhappy homosexual that plays the stereotype to straight people. Yeah. So there was controversy after like he, he died. Perpetuates or it. a conversation, I should say, about really did he, I mean, yes, he existed. Was he out? No. Did he, um, just by being visible, does that mean he's, it's progress for us? Mm, not really, because it was always a negative stereotype. So that was kind of his legacy. Now we see him as more of a tragic figure. And I have more, um, you know, zingers if y'all want to hear them. Are we good with Paul then? <laughs> we'll have like a epilogue at the end. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're an hour into the episode. But hey, did you know the unemployment rate is below 4% in the U.S.? If you're, pr- if you're trying to hire someone, then you probably already know because... You are trying. You are having trouble finding quality candidates. Economy Works is here to help. Don't have time, energy, or the resources to hire. Economy Works is ready to help you write job descriptions. 
find candidates, review resumes, phone screen candidates. Let the Economy Works Talent Network help you do more with less. Economy Works. When we work, the, the economy, economy works. works. Find out more at economyworks.com. As many times as you, I've read that, you would think I'd have that memorized. You should let me do it in my <clears throat> Paul Lynn voice. Especially given... I when we company. work, the economy works. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I like it. Or your phone sex voice when that we, you've been we trying should, out on We should on do a different <clears throat> voice every week. All right, Tony, give it to us. Okay. Give it to us like Q-tips and a vagina. Well, mine's going to be kind of long, actually. No, I'm kidding. Um, okay, this will so be our first three-hour three episode. Tonight I'm going to talk about um, Jack Baker, who uh, he was a gay rights activist who kind of went about fighting for gay rights in a uh, non-conventional uh, way. And what we're going to talk about today is... Um, he did this when he was a uh, university student, law school student, and because of this, he was actually almost not able to take the bar exam, but uh, because of not exhibiting good moral behavior. But this week in 1973, the Minnesota State Bar Association uh, said they wouldn't contest his application. Um, so the reason this was so controversial. So Jack Baker, um, he actually, uh, when he was in college, he met a guy, Mike McConnell, Mitch McConnell's uncle. No, uh -uh, really? No, I'm kidding. Uh, what? <laughs> I know, but I keep wanting to say Mitch McConnell. Okay, so anyways, they met, and um, they were both uh, LGBT activists, uh, very active in uh, student government, things like that, and um, they you know, wanted to get married. They had been dating quite a while, and they wanted to get married. They felt that they deserved you know, the same rights as uh, straight couples that wanted to get married, and they also wanted to you know, kind of fight for gay rights. So this was in the 1970s. So in 1970, actually. Um, so in Minnesota, it wasn't explicitly stated in the law that marriage was between a man and a woman. It was just very kind of vague and assumed that it was a man and a woman. So they thought if it's not explicitly stated, it's, you know, we can challenge it. So they actually applied uh, for a marriage license in Minneapolis and they got denied. Uh, so they actually um, sued, and they knew this would go through the court system. And they were both law school students. And, you know, when they, when they wanted to fight for gay marriage, the gay community didn't want to fight for gay marriage. They wanted sexual freedom and gay liberation. Um, and not to be viewed as a, a the, like they had a mental disorder. Cause yeah, 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 exactly. But they thought marriage is, like some people I think just, it was it's, well. I mean, it's secondary. I mean, it's like yeah. it at least accept us as people. Yeah, yeah. We can fight for marriage yeah. later. So nobody wanted to do this, and um, they kind of went about it as: what are some loopholes in the law that we can like challenge? And then the law is kind of like, oh, you got us. So um, they they were looking for loopholes, but then they also just they aren't wanted, we all? <laughs> they wanted the same rights as um, any married couple, and like. You know, the tax breaks they wanted. Um, if one of the, something happened to one of them, they just wanted to be equal. So what they did is um, uh, Mike McConnell actually adopted uh, Jack Baker. and So Mike McConnell adopted his boyfriend. Yes, pretty much adopted his boyfriend. And because, you know, as an adopted son, you have a lot of rights, right? Like you can claim – the father can claim head of household. This is what year? I'm sorry. Uh, 1970. Wow. Yeah. And so 
And then they also did this because in Minnesota, the you have to apply for a wedding license or a marriage license in the county of the bride. And so what they did is Mike adopted him and he changed his name to Pat Lynn McConnell. Jack Baker did. And so they said if we put Pat That's Lynn McConnell on the wedding license, then it's kind of a female name. Maybe it'll slip through whatever. Lesbian name. Exactly. Pat Lynn McConnell. <laughs> so From Kentucky. They Showing her horse the 4-H fair. Kentucky. <laughs> so they... Um, so he adopted him, and then they did apply for a marriage license in uh, a different county in Minnesota. And um, Jack Baker's changed name, even though he kept going by Jack Baker. He never went by anything else. But he put the uh, Pat Lynn McConnell in the bride-to-be section. Um, so that county actually granted the marriage license. And as soon as the county attorney got a hold of it, he said... I, I don't want to, va- or this shouldn't be a valid marriage, but his attitude was, I'm not going to waste the energy to fight it because it's going through the court system, whatever, uh, the marriage license in the other county. So what happened there is the Minnesota Supreme Court came out and they said, no, marriage is between a man and a woman. Um, you know, it includes pro- procreation, and this is as old as the book of Genesis, and this was the Minnesota Supreme Court ruling. Um they challenged it to the Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court uh, denied they wouldn't hear it. They said there's uh, really no substantial federal question here. Um, but if you fast forward a couple years, you know, these guys are in law school. So uh, Jack Baker applied for to take the bar exam, and um, you have to exhibit good moral character. And so he, they actually said you need to come to a hearing because – we found out that you lied on a state government application and um you know we need to investigate this so he had to go before this hearing and you know plead his case and they they heard him they did an investigation and so of course they they had no issue with him being homosexual it was just why did you lie on this application we explained it they said it was fine and so um it was this week in 1973 that they said we won't contest your application to the bar but um he was still worried about it because um you know even if you pass the bar you have to be sworn in by the minnesota supreme court and he was worried you know about um getting sworn in but i think one of the reasons that um this is so um it's interesting because, you know, this happened in the 70s. Can well, I just pause for a second? Yeah, what's Because you're telling this and Kindle's – you can hear Kindle whispering. Yeah, what's going to dry the sheets. Oh. Because Carter – oh. one of the dogs okay. peed on the sheets. So the dogs – that's what's going on. So That's not gay stuff. Hey, I know. Someone peed on the sheets. Some of y'all do. <laughs> okay, so um, – Random. Go. The reason I think on this purpose. is interesting is I know personally have two down. cases um, in Texas where – people still had to adopt each other. So, for example, about seven or eight years ago, I was at a lesbian bar, and um, we got talking to this couple. They were probably in their late 40s, early 50s, and um, they were together a really long time. Uh, One of the ladies, she had had a daughter previously, and um, they were telling us, so they wanted to do some family planning, and they went to see a lawyer, 
And he said, look, the way you get around this in Texas, this is probably like 20 years ago now. Um, he said, you basically have to adopt each other. So the non-birth mother, you have to adopt the daughter. That's and then so sad and the ridiculous. The other lady has to adopt because two women, if I leave something, like if one woman leaves it to another one, she has no right to it. She's just a random woman. If the family comes in and says, I'm a you know, family member. So, but if you adopt her, and so um, adoption, it isn't just relegated to children. Like you can adopt an adult. And so that's what their family planning attorney said. You know, you basically have to adopt each other, whatever you have, you know, the non-birth mother has to adopt the kid, everything. Um, and they said it was so, they said we had to go home and think about this because it's like, that seems very incestuous and we don't want to be telling people that, but they were telling us, I guess, because we were a lesbian bar or whatever. Um, but um, I have friends, they're a lesbian couple. They've been married for a couple years. They just had a kid this year. And, you know, a couple months after the kid was born, you know, staying in touch, like, how are things? And so a couple months later, I was like, you know, everything's still going well with the baby, everything. And um, the baby like, was a 34 year old man. Yes. She's like, yeah, she goes, we're just kind of going through that whole adoption thing, whatever. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she goes, yeah, just because we're married, like, my wife doesn't have any, like, like she has no rights to this kid. If I die, get hit by a bus tomorrow, like, she has no rights to this kid. So the non-birth mom, even though she's married, they have to, like, apply. And, like, some judges will not. So, But that's different than what Jack Baker was doing. Jack Baker was like... I need to adopt you to get adopt you to get closest to marriage rights that we don't have. Yeah, no, but I'm just possible. saying like these issues affect LGBT people where it's like they're like there's these legal loopholes right. that you have to jump through. I mean, like one, it's family planning. Here, it's like you know, there like she has no she has like if a straight couple has a kid, even if they're not married, it's like that father and mother have full rights to that kid, even if you know one of the parents is a deadbeat or something. Whereas so um, I was with, you know, when you Christmas comes around, you meet up people that are in town, and that so and so's in town. Let's go say hi to them. Let's have lunch with them. Blah blah blah. So we met up with this family that I know the parents are very, very, very Republican, super Republican on all things, and to where I know from the child that they never would have voted in favor of same-sex marriage however during this lunch ben and i are there and they're saying oh you're gonna love being married it just feels different it feels more like a commitment and you're gonna love being married so much more than being in a relationship and in my head i'm thinking i know you would have fought against my right to marry but what do you think changed their mind I th well, first of all, because I asked my fiance bit about this because he knows them better than I, that how can they kind of justify that? And he said, oh, because I'm different. You know, they know me personally, which is a shame. I mean, my own parents, who are very conservative, would have wished more for me. They can see me as a human being. Yeah. But when you take that and extrapolate it make concept, it broader yeah. than just me then oh no no because then you're infringing upon my own 
religious beliefs. beliefs. Yeah, yeah. But look, I'm yeah. what's good for me is good for the gander. Yeah. <laughs> like if you if you can see me and empathize with me and say, Oh, we want what's best for him, then do it for all people. I just say this, sorry, I went off on a tangent. But the fact that someone had to adopt their partner yeah. to get anywhere close to rights in nineteen seventy is very sad and it shows that it was never about yeah. making the church accept us, which was pretty much the argument. It was never about making bestiality okay. You know, all those slippery slope arguments. It's literally about this is the person I love. Yeah. And I want to form a partnership with them, you know, and I want to make it easier for us to grow old together. Or just have basic protections of if something happens to one of us, like it's a lot more seamless. I can or visit you in the hospital. I can visit sick. you in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I can get life insurance yep. if you, you know, pass away. Yep. I can show up to the, you know, the funeral services, not be denied by yep. your family. Like that, I mean, that's essentially what they were trying to get. So this couple Healthcare benefits, <laughs> which feels weird, but I'm not naming names, so I guess it's okay. This couple wanted to spend a much of the lunch talking about Donald Trump <clears throat> and how amazing Donald Trump and what. Democrat, do you think could actually lose against him and this and that? And yet they were saying it's so much easier with in- insurance is just one of the many benefits you'll get as a married couple. And I'm like, ah, oh, but you don't actually care. Now it doesn't matter to you because the Supreme Court took that fight off the yeah, table. Yeah, five for years you. ago you were fighting against yeah. me to like in 2012 you were fighting against, you were voting for Mitt Romney so marriage equality could not be yeah. a thing for you. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Very sad that Jack Baker had to adopt which also bleeds into the old argument of that we're sexual deviants that want to, you but know. Again, in 1970, we were it was deemed homosexuality yeah, yeah, yeah. was yeah. a, but that was that was an improvement because at least you weren't, uh, uh, you that's you could describe it. You could yeah. say, okay, well, they're you know they they're perverts and, uh, but it's a it's a mental disorder. And so. one of the reasons that they kind of had to pursue this they're, course of action as well is. You know, I think they wanted to be more upfront in their fight for gay marriage. But as I said, the gay community, they, they weren't worried about that. And even the ACLU, which there's, they kind of have a long, sordid history, but they were just like, no, we're not interested in fighting for this. Yeah. I mean, they just had wanted, they had no um, uh, interest at all in fighting for gay marriage. Um, so this was a landmark case, though. I mean, in terms of the the like the fight for marriage equality, yeah. this was and, one of I the mean, first so ones. And, I mean, so that in itself, but then... So they were actually deemed the first legally uh, married gay couple in the U.S. because when the second county approved their marriage license, they did get married, and it wasn't until six weeks later that the Minnesota Supreme Court um, ruled that gay marriage is illegal. Um so for six weeks, they were legally married. And so they actually tried to file a joint tax return because they were legally married. Um, but the IRS denied it. And so they, they really um, tried to pick a lot of battles. I mean, they were very much um, activists. When I remember like their story, like after gay marriage was like became legal, like they were uh, pretty uh, – 2009, because I'm not sure they both made it to 2015. Did they? Uh, I don't know. We have to follow up on that, but yeah, that's uh, 
I mean, it was a big it was a big thing for mm-hmm. for them. I just remember reading an article, at least one of them saying, "Yeah, we we were we were on the forefront." You know, yeah, back yeah, in yeah. nineteen seventy. Yeah, and um, they really had to like f- like look into like finding loopholes and finding sneaky ways to try to like yeah, yeah. those savvy lawyers doing their thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I bet you at the time there were gays that were like, "No, you're setting our movement back." Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, which yeah. is always a discussion within minority communities of like how extreme do you want to go because there's always the ones that say not too fast well we have these discussions as like as progressives and moderates right it's just like the i mean i i caught myself saying it just earlier i'm like oh well you know uh you know at the white fight for marriage equality when we're just trying to fight at not being mentally disabled people right so as if you can only do one i think it takes the bold people to say fight for it all and they drag the ball a little you know they're not going to get there immediately because they're fighting for it at once but they drag around the process faster than if it's just we need to do this one at a time we need to prioritize mm. we need to um but i mean so that's it's a good lesson a, for any i don't know that's my, my this is i go back to the arguments with the presidential candidates so you need to articulate a plan so that you can get there because if you just have big ideas it's like you're not gonna. You're not gonna accomplish. That. I don't agree with that in the sense because what Republicans talk about plans. No, you know their plans are to like. Uh, but we're all the same, rights. you know. So they're getting their things accomplished through the Senate and through the Supreme Court by very bland, like appealing to emotion. And why are we as Democrats saying? Don't even mention anything unless you know exactly how you're accompli- going to accomplish it on day one and make sure you have all the votes. No, I disagree with that. I s- put the plan in motion. You know, verbalize your plan. It's almost like tell us your vision board and how we're going to get there. Well, I, I, well, and if it takes 10 years, it takes 10 years. But it will take never if you don't Yeah, I think a lot of the moderates want, like, how are you going to pay for it? Stuff yeah, like that. I mean, yeah. But Whereas Trump's sort of like... Thing. I'm gonna do build a wall. Mexico's gonna pay for yeah, it. Like, and, fuck yeah. Yeah, and uh, and he gets it done by means where Mexico doesn't pay for it, but he gets it done. And and, and his people don't care. Bernie <laughs> yeah. Sanders is trying to do the same thing. I just think the Republicans tend to have a better sales pitch to their voters and to the moderates. They'll be like, "Oh yeah, we don't want national debt." I mean, of course, when they're in power, as we're seeing of now, of course, yeah, you blow up debt the national swells, debt and everyone yeah. forgets. But well, that's anyways. the argument in the Democrat Party right now is the Democratic Party right now is that we tear down Democrats because, and I understand the point of it, but so-and-so said this, and now we're going to, it can't be done because we list all the reason why it can't be done instead of saying, let's get it done. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's a... Thomas. (laughs) I I, I think, yeah. Yeah. It's good to have ideas, but you got to have a plan of action. Speaking of plan of actions, Carl yes. M. Bear. Uh, he had a plan of action to become a man someday. Uh, no, that's not accurate. Anyways. Oh, my um, God. Is this your dream? Of. This, was, <laughs> this was my 
my bad way of transitioning to this topic. But he did transition, actually. Carl M. Baer, this week on January 8, 1907, he was legally recognized as the gender, the gender which he identified. Uh, the Arlson jurisdiction in Germany issued a, a, note, a notation on his birth certificate that, that as of January 8, 1907, he would be legally recognized as male by the name of Carl. 1907, wow. by the name of Carl instead of Martha. So he was born. Uh, uh, he Martha changed his Bear. gender so he wouldn't be called Martha. Yeah, well, oh, sorry, Martha. Uh, I so understand. Ef- effectively, this made him the first known trans person to be legally recognized with the gender in which they, they identified. So that's a big deal. It happening in 1907. So who is Carl Carl Bear? And he was born in 1885. Uh, born Martha Bear, and again in Germany. Uh, when he was born, his midwife, uh, the midwife, congratulated his mother on the birth of their so daughter. So he had a wife. <laughs> yes, he had a wife. Uh, but this was the midwife who gave, uh, uh, who delivered him, and told his mother, "Congratulations on, on the daughter uh, that you're having." Although the midwife whispered to his father that uh, the body, his body, had some strange, body char- yaddy yaddy. strange characteristics that made it really difficult to declare a gender. Uh, even though she declared him as a as a as a girl, so this kind of concerned the parents. They went to a doctor, uh, and the doctor said, "Nope, Carl is a girl, and she should be raised as a girl." So they raised her as a girl. Um, oh, hermaphrodite issues. Well, uh, yeah, at the at the about? time they would have um, the term hermaphrodite would have been used, and that was kind of this exotic sort of thing, like a freak show. At the same time, like there was a lot of interest in hermaphrodites. Today, it would probably be classified as uh, he was born with hypospadias. Intersex? Hypos- yeah, hypospadias or intersex. Uh, hypospadias is a, and I'm probably a band. pronouncing that wrong, uh, is a birth defect um, which is, it, in which the opening of the urethra is on the underside of the penis. So instead of having your, your pee hole at the at the tip of your head it's on the on the along the shaft of your penis or somewhere thereabouts and so it has this we'll put illustrations on it, it has this perception Instagram. of almost looking like a vagina so it was very confusing to the mm. the doctors and of course there's not a lot of research out there at the time so yeah it's I mean, 1800s, the, yeah, yeah so they're trying to figure out like on uh, based on their limited amount of information to trying to make a call so they ultimately made the call that um, Carl was a, a girl and was ra- uh, was raised as Martha. Um, so he notes because he later wrote a book uh, about his experience, and he wrote that you know his childhood was uh, uncomfortable. He was born a boy but raised as a girl. Um, he did not develop a woman's body, but had some feminine features. So he got was, urethras all over the place. He, a little Ugh. bit, yeah. And so he he struggled he to be you know the best woman he could be, but he was really Don't again. Ain't that the truth, right? We're trying to, aren't we all trying That's to be? all we can ask Just for. be our best strong woman. That's all we can do, Jesus. Uh, I mean, he tried to be the best woman he could, to, despite not being very feminine. Um, and he had a lot of discomfort as a woman. The appearance of his genitalia really caused a lot of anxiety, uh, and he also had all these male desires because he was attracted to women. Uh, thus, you know, he thought if all this guilt. So imagine being born with this genitalia that doesn't match your identity. You're attracted to women. I mean, and because you have masculine features, but also a feminine appearance, like you're. Why like, are you looking at me? 
<laughs> right? Uh, it's that sweater that you wear. It 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 it, it creates this tension because uh, while classified as a girl, while deemed a girl by all uh, norm by societal standards, uh, they dressed him as a girl. He had to go play with girls. The girls didn't accept him. They treated him as badly. They, the teachers would call him a boy. The girls that he was supposed to be playing with called him a boy. And so there was that. And then again, there's the imagine your your birth issues. We talked about Paul Lynn being you know a big man and struggling with that. I mean, imagine being born with you know girl parts, but really yeah, yeah. feeling uh, like a especially like a back then. I mean, I feel like. Now you would face a lot of issues 50 years ago. Can you imagine over 100 years ago, 130 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and kids are cruel, right? I mean, he got told, hey, get out of here. You're a disgusting boy. None of us want to play with boys, and you're really a boy. But he goes home, his name, you know, as a girl, dressed as a girl, and being called Martha. Uh, but even his teachers, again, were somewhat yeah. dismissive of him. They're like, oh, he, you're really a boy. Uh, so, and he had to lie about being a woman in the sense, like, what happens when you're a woman? What's a, the rite of passage? You grow breasts, you have, you get period. your period. Yeah. And he didn't have any Doing of that either, sort of yeah. stuff. Again, but still had some feminine You post features. cat memes. <laughs> is, is that what you do as a woman? Yeah. Oh, I did not. You did talk not about the realize. Kardashians, how much you hate them, but watch them. I'm not sure that happened in the uh, late 1800s, but... Uh, Chris Jenner that, was there. Chris Jenner, Chris Jenner probably was there. How old is Chris Jenner? She was um, developing her plan. But, you know, so he had to lie about all these aspects. Uh, eventually, he went on to go to university and studied political economy and sociology. And, uh, you know, feeling all the conditions that, like, the, the feelings that he felt, he did feel some... Com- uh, he did feel compelled to be, you know, fight for women's rights. So he was heavily involved in the women's rights movement. Uh, he became a suffragette and... Also, he was Jewish, and so joined the international Jewish organization B'nai B'rith. Uh, again, probably pronouncing Shania who? Shania B'rith, or B'nai B'rith, which is an international Jewish organization that supports... You get that B'nai B'rith. A, a Jewish state. What is B'nai B'rith? You think that's the like the foreskin? Kendall has it. It's gross. Like the cheesy... Yeah, the cheese on fire, B'nai B'rith. The cheese film you get from the foreskin before they're uh, circumcised. Well, my B'nai burns. <laughs> Anyways, uh, he supported that organization, supported the Jewish state, and combated against anti Semitism and bigotry. So he's part of this organ, goes to university, part of this organization. In 1904, he moved to Hamburger. Hamburger. <laughs> Hamburger? Okay, Hamburglar. <laughs> this is what happens when you try to race through this. He moved to Hamburg, Germany, and became a social worker and feminist activist in, in that uh, Jewish organization, B'nai B'rith. Um, as Martha, though, as I mentioned, he had masculine features. He had facial hair, had a masculine... So does my best friend, Martha. Well, I texted her <laughs> this statement because I was like, as Martha, he had a masculine features, facial hair, and a masculine voice, she sm- smoked cigars, and drank beer. She said, well, that's kind of me. <laughs> Well, she responded. Yeah, exactly. Better than I get response from. <laughs> it was the first time in like six months. I thought she was dead. Uh, but yes, yeah, so had all these features, yet again, trying to be a woman. So at, at some point, though, so he got sent to, um, as Martha, sent to a retreat in Spain after a year he came back because he really wasn't getting along with any of the women because they didn't want to hang out with him because of all the aggressive behavior that he was uh, displaying as well as the, the masculine type 
features because again um he was smoking cigars he was drinking beer he was talking in a loud voice he was being aggressive and so people were like uh he was playing the basketballs he was playing the basketballs and so people like you're a dude and not a a a woman and while we appreciate your passion for women's rights uh you're a bit too masculine for us so he wound up going back um eventually he fell in love with a married woman uh, but they realized that their their fate was not uh, for for the gods because they were like, okay, look, you are a woman, and I'm a woman who's married, and we're so essentially would be lesbians. There's no way this is going to happen. So they uh, entered a pact that they were going to commit suicide since their relationship was hopeless. Uh, but prior to that, Bear was injured in a tram accident. So this accident was actually kind of pivotal in his life and kind of changed the trajectory. Because he was in this accident, mm-hmm. he was rushed to the hospital, and it's there where the doctors are like, wait a minute. Because at this point, he started living as a man, mm-hmm. and they were like, you're a man, but your ID says you're a woman. And they recognized not only was it just like, hey, you're dressed as Aggressive. a you're dressed as a man, but you're like your parts are different than Most a women. woman or a man. And so they were like they referred him to a a doctor at the time uh, who was kind of this renowned uh, sexologist, uh, Magnus Hirschfeld, who is um, also we're gonna have to do a topic on him because influential sexologist, uh, likely a, a gay. All man. right, we got a year. <laughs> What's that? You <laughs> would say. And so uh, he, he uh, Hirschfeld, uh, met with Bayer and recommended a sex change operation. So after his analysis, he's like, yeah, you're a candidate for a sex operation. You are a woman, but you identify as a Imagine man. Imagine being told that if you didn't apply for one. <laughs> <laughs> you should be a man. Uh, that's what I was told with my vagina with the uh, Q-tips. Every now and then someone will come up to me and say, you should be a man. <laughs> you should be <laughs> you could tell I'm like, that's what I'm aiming for. I also for. wonder why it was Q-tips instead of gauze. I don't know. It was just oh, because don't bring that up. Ten Q-tips just like sticking out. Porcupine quills. Yeah. Now, so he rec- Hirschfeld recommended the sex change operation, and they secured a permit from uh, Prussian, uh, the Prussian Interior Ministry, uh, which is, okay, this is monumental because this is the first time this has actually happened. So in 1906, December of 1906, uh uh, he went underwent a sex change operation. So he was then this the first person to use medical technology or to have medical technology used on him and a surgery to change his his gender Whoa. from a woman to a male. And Hirschfeld says, you know, this guy was uh, mistakenly identified as a woman, and this is a case of erroneous sexual art, uh, attribution. Um, there was another guy that was involved in this. Uh, his last name's Presber, and he he was when uh, Bayer came out of his surgery, he was like, oh, and and just started to try to live as a man. He was he was a little, not want to say suspect, but he knew Bayer as Martha and then uh, as a man. And he said his moment. I mean, he describes a bit of a little a Bambi moment because it's like you've gone through this. Now you have to live as a man, right? He's like. The, the moments were a little forced, like much like a child's, and they were they were seemed to be trying to cast off the restrictions of two decades. Like you've lived all this mm-hmm. time as a woman, being told as a man, being told you're a woman, well, yeah. so to be a woman, be a woman, be a woman, and now you're finally a man, and you're like trying to figure out how that works yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Um, this guy actually encouraged him to write a book about his experiences. So the best way for you to become the man that you want to be is to write out your experience as a woman, and then be you know write your narrative as as a man um so 
Um, just as an aside, you know, as he, before he went on his surgery, Martha went to her his friends and family and said, okay, I'm going to a job in another city. It's been great knowing you. Farewell. Um, but after the surgery, it returned, and all the friends were like, this is the twin of Martha. I mean, it looked exactly the same, but was a, was a man. Rosie O'Donnell? Yeah, exactly. Uh <laughs> But he wore men's clothes, and his friends actually accepted him. But no, they were like, "Okay, we know this is Martha, but but yeah, as a man now, I'm Martha from uh, Handmaid's Tale. You know, Martha from our that episode, that quiz show episode. That's what I was thinking. Best friends, uh, quiz show, the best Chili's friends episode. Martha. Yeah, the Chili's Martha. <sighs> Have met her. <laughs> the so going back to this week in LGBT history. So in 1907, this week. He was legally recognized for his new gender. So the the the, the government of, of Germany made an, a, a note on his birth certificate saying, from this moment on, from from January eighth, nineteen o seven forward, he is a man. We want to make that that known. So Martha, who was born Martha as a as a woman, is Died. is a no, didn't die, but is from this moment forward yeah. is uh, is is a man. And so, uh, uh, again, a huge... Okay, uh, I have a question for you. Yeah. Yes. Is this the... Because it hasn't been clear. Is this the story of a transgendered person or a intersex person that decided, I identify one so or the other? This becomes complicated. As I was reading it, I was like, I started off like, as it's an... Complicated. It, as it an complicated. It sounds intersex... And and that's what I was wanted to say at the beginning of it, it was intersex and they're like because there's a lot of there was research in there saying okay um, intersex you get to you know you're born a certain way and then nature or nurture you get nurtured your environment well that was the old school you, thing but this is like this was a proclamation like a, but I wonder know. if intersex if you're born with both parts but you like really feel one like if you have more hormones like if you have testosterone or estrogen you just feel like one but your parts didn't fully develop well or well bayer and hirschfield would say that you're you identify as someone like it's not well, do you have to be one or the other is that our simple mind saying choose pick tell me are you a man or a woman if you're intersex no, but maybe you, you just be both? identify as maybe i don't know but do you know what i mean if you're yeah, 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 yeah. if you're born with a vagina and feel like you want to dress like a man but attracted to no other men. I, I mean I'm, so old school term because intersex is even new in my own lifetime if you're born with both a penis and a vagina and it's not like a it's not like how we think of a penis a big throbbing beautiful thrusting <laughs> uh, well, like penis guy, it's yeah. more it's an but, but I mean if this guy it, Go ahead. Oh okay. In other words, there have been many discussions about it's not always obvious in the genitalia. Oh my gosh, I don't want to get in, right. You know, say th- wrong things since I'm not that educated on the topic. But um, there have been studies throughout the years, and like these horrible forced choosings of hey hey parent choose is this going to be a man or a woman right if you if you say it's going to be a woman then we're going to chop off the penis part now well that if you decide that it's going to be a man we're going to close up that vagina hole wait and then the person grows up and it's like my genitals don't reflect 
how I feel like I am inside. So are they born with both, or are they just born with not fully developed one or the other, so it's hard to tell? Because, I mean, if they're born with both, how do you pee? But but both is, is, again, like Kendall's saying, both would uh, equate, like, a penis as a full, like like a... penis that you would want to hop yeah. on right uh versus oh, yeah. <laughs> versus but this even penis if you may be like the penis and in, in, with an a small penis person, above a hole no maybe like an enlarged clitoris like that looks yeah like yeah, a penis. yeah that's what i'm saying so it's like not like yeah it's it it's it's not an it's a uh it's a it's a like, the pictures that I've seen because when you look this stuff up, you're like, and they there's not hard to like find an image. It's not like a perversion. It's just like, hey, what is intersex? And you'll see again uh, the penis being on a intersex person, uh, just being an enlarged clitor, not mm-hmm. just being, but the clitoris is enlarged that looks like a penis. It's got a. It head, always makes me long. think of a very sad because I watched the. I think of it as a Jerry Springer episode because they were on Jerry Springer, but there was a, they just happened to be on Jerry Springer versus like being exploited on Jerry Springer. A guy who was on Jerry Springer, who grew up as, I think that the mom chose her to be a woman as a baby. And she was like, that's not who I am. I, I feel like I'm a man. If I'm anything, well, there's a famous- and the mom was like, I'm sorry. I did the best thing I can. And, the person committed suicide. Oh, that's Oprah. That's actually Oprah. Oh, is it we'll Oprah? Talk okay. about that episode or another time. But that's that's the point. And and this was an example. I mean, I don't think there was any uh, decision to like remove any part of uh, Carl's genitalia as a as a girl. But it was just like I think it was enough uh, of a. Um, this is what you. Uh, it, it was enough of a. Uh, I mentioned the the condition. It was enough of a urethra, like in the penis shaft, that it was like, okay, that's a vagina. Mm-hmm. And so they just, I don't think they did any surgery at yeah. the time as a baby. Uh, so they left it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, again, because I, I say that because uh, it, uh, throughout the research that I did, it mentioned a lot of the conflict that uh, that that um, Bear had in, in trying to identify as a woman when their genitalia was very different. Um, and then, so, again, in 1907, though, a big a big year for 19, uh for 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 Bayer because uh there was the legal recognition of his new gender he also published a memoir his memoirs with some help from Presber so Rudolph Presber helped him who this was the an author who was like hey you need to go this you know realize he, he was the one who encouraged him to write the book to say write about your past to kind of get that oh, yeah. past and write about your future and what kind of this will help you identify the man you want to be and then Hirschfeld um, he wrote this book though under this pseudonym in o body which was no, oh. nobody uh and it, the the memoirs was called of a man's maiden years and so he was reflecting on his mm-hmm. childhood as as martha um and so that that happened in 1907 and then in 1907 he also uh got married uh to a woman named belly harp Halpern. this was the one who was he was going to commit suicide with who was married so that woman divorced and then oh, okay uh, and then married uh bear uh unfortunately she died two years later um but he did re- uh, remarry uh another woman named elsa so again going back to this interesting thing about these uh transgender folks who are uh women who become men who have these women who fall in love with like they are doing something right sexually what's wrong with me because (laughs) because get this 
Um, <laughs> later in his life, his, uh, his his wife Elsa also died. Uh, but prior to uh, her dying, he had had an affair with his secretary. Uh, who uh, he also had a threesome with uh, his secretary and his wife Elsa before oh, she passed. Okay. Elsa yeah. passed away. He had well, he had an affair with his he secretary. He was a lot of man. Yeah, and then remarried, and then married his secretary, uh, which was the last wife he had before he died. He must have had a lot of game too. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, which is interesting considering all the turmoil he felt right throughout his yeah. life. But I guess when he finally was a man, I mean, I, I, that's not an experience I can ever identify with because it's like you live all this life being and, a man. Well, no, it's just like living. So something that you're not being told and then finally you get to be your true self and then you're like yeah oh i've been i haven't been that my whole life that i finally get to be be this like you that. said you cannot identify with that no i mean you never it's a fresh start right it's just kind of like it's a swagger i i think maybe and I'm, I'm maybe i'm i'm totally not being sympathetic when i say this but i'm like how do you go and get three wives after that like that's your point Tony. i like, know that's some remember game. the billy tipton episode who had five wives and she, they never saw his non-existent penis yeah. they assumed they were living with a man but it just like i don't know it's just something it's there's a liberation that i mean i've never f- felt maybe when i came out i felt a little bit but i don't i don't know it, it just i i guess that's the only thing i can equate to that experience is just like oh finally I get to be myself but I again I maintain my coming out story isn't like a big sigh of relief I finally get to be whoever I want to be like I'm the same person so um anyways he uh throughout his life be, be, you know after the surgery he continued as a as a Jewish activist he was a prominent figure in his community remember he's Jewish in Germany right mm-hmm. uh and so oh, yeah. he eventually became a prominent leader of the uh, the Jewish community in his in his community uh, in his local area. Uh, so he was actually a cha- led the chapter of the Benai Brith chap uh, in his in his local area. Um, but then again, Nazi Germany kind of comes in in the mm-hmm. in the 1930s. He was actually arrested in 1937, but allowed to leave. Um, and so he and his wife fled to uh, Israel. Oh wow, Palestine. Uh, the interesting thing about like, and one thing I want to note is in terms of his like, his journey to becoming uh, a man. I guess m- from medical uh, terms, he's just like he struggled with the fact that he he was a woman or was being raised as a woman, so it had these feminine features, but also had masculine features and identified more as a man. If you think about it, like if he wanted to, if he was. If he was a, a woman, Martha, right? That's what was on mm-hmm. his birth certificate, and wanted to come, you know, go out in public as a man, he could be under the laws at the time, right? Oh under, yeah, yeah. Like, he could be like, well, wait a minute, what are you trying to do? Because he could be viewed two ways: one, a woman trying to be a man, which is not illegal, so much as a a man trying to be a woman, yeah. right? And there was a, one time where he was uh, um, he was caught by police saying. Hey, wait a minute! You look suspicious. Or you're you're a man trying to be a woman. Luckily, someone recognized him from a poster because again, he was in the the women's uh, voting. Yeah. He was a suffragist in, in this big Jewish community. So someone was like, "Well, you're familiar. You're that woman." And so they they vouched for him, saying he's a woman. Um, but 
you have to imagine like the stress of one i'm trying to be a woman yeah i'm not actually a woman because i'm not having a period and not having breasts like all of them i'm attracted to to women yeah uh and and just kind of where do you fit in it's like you just feel yeah, yeah. women don't accept accept me as part of their mm-hmm. social circle yeah, yeah and i have this identity issue not even not all the the, the kind of the internal struggles but outwardly where people like are you a man or are you a woman? Yeah, and yeah. I, he could get arrested for trying to play the yeah, part of Yeah, and especially, a, I mean, you know, once the Nazis started, you know, to take over, I mean, they just wanted anybody that wasn't completely perfect eliminated. And so, right. you know, you're gay. That's you're, why we're still here. Yeah. Yeah, so somehow he was allowed to to flee. I mean, it was just, it was before kind of Nazi yeah. Germany was all like yeah. doing a total complete extermination on Jewish people. The interesting thing about the book I mentioned is like he was talking about his uh, his his journey as a woman to becoming uh, a man or to you know that struggle he had. Uh, it was not only did he go under the pseudonym. Nobody, yeah. uh, but he also changed his identity from being a Jewish person uh, of German descent to a Catholic person of French descent. Uh, the reason being because Jewish people were already seen as kind of a, um, a second class because their mm. bodies weren't as pure as Christians, and from there was some also some tension between uh, the Germans and the French. So the Germans saw themselves as more superior than the French people. So it was an easy target to be like, oh, I'm. Uh, uh, if he would have been a, a Jewish person, right? So yeah. he was like, "No, I, I'm Catholic, so I'm 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 normal, but I'm experiencing all these all these things." So um, that was an interesting kind of un- another thing he was hiding about himself. Because the thing about him, he again, he was a prominent person in the Jewish community. I mean, if you think about it, he was doing that as a male. So despite being Martha, his he gained his prominence as as Carl, right? And so if you look at the public records prior to 1907, he didn't have a birth certificate that he could vouch like, oh, you're Carl. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't have a, uh, there, despite earning his education, his degrees were all under Martha. And so he had no like uh, official record of him being this prominent person. So people just gave him the benefit of the doubt because he was Jewish, right? And so if he would have said in his book, I'm a Jewish person, like he could have, he would have risked all his reputation. Yeah, and, yeah. and so, and his life would have been destroyed. So he had to disguise that. And that's like uh, a lot of the, the, the critics and, uh, and I don't mean this critics, like people criticize him, but the people who read his book mm-hmm. and just studied him, um, they they note that as very significant in terms of not only was he hiding this or going through this journey as a as a person who tra- being the first person who underwent a surgery to do a sex change, but also was hiding his his Jewish identity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, like in, in this book. Yeah. Um, I mentioned in 1937 he was arrested by the Nazis. He was allowed to leave, so he and his wife fled. Um, and he became eventually more comfortable, started to grow in his own skin. And, uh, you know, after that, there's really not a lot of record of him. There was a couple of, you know, he wrote that, that book, uh, and there were some movies that were made about it, uh, in the, in the early 1900s, but because they were made in Germany, uh, and the Nazis were doing a complete extermination of Uh, all things, there's not any record of those, uh, those movies. Uh, and so it's kind of lost in history. But nonetheless, this, you know, Carl, Carl, our, our friend Carl Bear, 
he's you know holds a significant place in history because again this week uh 1907 the government of germany recognizes official transition from a woman to to a man yeah he was the first person to undergo a sex change operation that's pretty remarkable yeah yeah especially for like that time period yeah yeah, I mean, quite a journey. I, I think, like, as I was reading it, I was like, wow. And we, again, and we've talked about Germany being a bit more accepting. I think, mm-hmm. Kendall, you were noting, like, in their the 20s. 20s, yeah. Yeah, yeah Germany, Berlin. especially Berlin, was the most acceptive, accepting place on earth. I mean, Hello Cabaret, the <laughs> well, movie Cabaret, its downfall. was about how accepting it was leading up to Nazi Germany. And they were so in their little... Berlin bubble that they did not see the turmoil that was beginning around them. Yeah, so I mean, I, I mean, as I read the story of Carl Bear, like I was amazed by his journey, like the the gusto he must have had to like again live that life of like trying not only his body but his internal like I don't yeah, know. Yeah, just so he was a bear. His internal identity being like I'm I'm not a woman, I'm a man, mm-hmm. but then his his genitalia being something different, being shunned by society. Yeah. Again, over a hundred years ago, when the, the exactly the yeah. acceptance we have today, which isn't even, which the acceptance today is a stretch, right? I mean, people still struggle with it, but for that being happening, right? In 1900, yeah, uh, it's, you know, kudos to 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 him for for making that uh, that journey and kind of being a pioneer uh, in that space. So yeah, that's uh, crazy. And he, so yeah, I think that very interesting. Nice, nice, nice. That yeah, wraps yeah, us up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, all right. Well, then we'll wrap it up then from here. Okay, so uh, thank you for listening to our podcast and kicking with us this week. A special thank you to our sound guy over there, Spencer. Hello, Spencer, joining us from our Spoopy Podcast. Uh, don't forget to listen to our Spoopy Podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. They have the spoopiest. They just wrapped up a nice series of uh, creepy pastas, and they're going to come back to you in January with some great tales of... Uh, true crimes, murder mysteries, scary stories, urban legends, and more creepypastas. So take a listen. I think they might be doing some Drag Race reviews once uh, Drag Race starts to premiere in, in, in the coming weeks. So <laughs> stay tuned to that. All right. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you can hear future episodes. You can visit our website at letstalkaboutgaystuff.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Let's Talk About Gay Stuff and on Twitter at Talk Gay Stuff. You can leave us a review and tell us what you think. Uh, if you're scared to do it in public, just a little, you know, a little gun shy, you can drop us a line at Let's Talk About Gay Stuff at gmail.com. Again, we are part of the Listen Works Network, along with our Spoopy Podcast. And don't forget to listen to us. Again, we're excited to be doing some awesome things in 2020, so stay tuned to what we have yes. to offer you. More to come. So I'm excited to do some mediocre shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so you're stepping up your game? Oh, yeah. Huh. Finally. <laughs> I'm aiming for mediocre. Can't wait till we do our performance evaluations. <laughs> All right. And with that, we're here. We're queer. Get used to it. Or as Paul Lynn say, get yes to it.